Well, this morning, if you got your Bibles or you can follow along with us on the screen, we're going to look in Revelations chapter 5, an interesting scripture for our Father's Day message this morning. But as I was praying last week, Lord, what do you want me to say on Father's Day? The Lord quickened two words to me. He said, Keith, the lion and the lamb. The lion and the lamb. And this morning in Revelations chapter 5, we're going to read how the Bible describes Jesus as being the lion and the lamb. Look with me in Revelations chapter 5, verse 1. John, the revelator, the apostle John says, Then I saw a scroll in the right hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. And there was writing on the inside and the outside of the scroll, and it was sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel who, who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals on this scroll and open it? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and read it. And then I began to weep bitterly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and to read it. But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Stop weeping. For the line of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And the Lord just quickened my heart this morning briefly. I just want to say to you, the Lord said, Keith, he said, when we look around us today, like John, there are a lot of reasons to weep. We can look at the world. We can look at the condition of the world. We can look at the struggles and the challenges and the difficulties that are happening around us. And the truth is, most of us don't have to look beyond our own families to recognize there's reasons to weep. There's struggles. There's challenges. There's difficulties. There's sickness, there's disease, there's divorce, there's, there's trauma, there's abuse, there's division, there's strife. There's all kinds of things that we deal with every single day. And the tendency, if we're not careful, is to be overwhelmed by what's happening around us. And we begin, like John, to weep because there's no one worthy. There's no one seemingly able to change the circumstances of our life. But the good news today, the good news of the gospel, the good news on this Father's Day is that there is the line of the tribe of Judah. Come on, somebody. And the line has won the victory, right? He is worthy and he is able to step in to our lives and to step into every situation that we face. And one of the 24 elders said, Stop weeping, for look, the lie of the tribe of Judah, the heir of David's throne, has won the victory. He's worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. And I saw the lamb, and I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered or slain. But it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. And he had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. And he stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of the one sitting on the throne. So this scripture, without a shadow of a doubt, is describing Jesus. Jesus is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But as I was studying this scripture, and the Holy Spirit spoke Lion and Lamb to me. He said, Keith, remember something. He said, remember that Jesus is our example. He's the perfect picture, picture of Christianity. He's our example of what it means to be a Christian, to be a follower of God, and to live our lives to honor Him. And then he said, but not only is Jesus a picture of what it means to be a Christian, 
For all of us men, he's a picture of manhood. And he's also a picture of fatherhood. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so all of a sudden, we recognize something. We recognize that we can look to Jesus to every aspect of his life, and we can begin to get an image, a picture, a portrait of what it looks like to be a man, what it looks like to be a father. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to glean from this image of Jesus being the lion and being the lamb, and we're going to recognize how those attributes apply to every person in this room, male or female, young or old, but they also apply specifically to us as men and specifically to us as fathers. Amen? So look at that first point. Fatherhood is a high and a holy calling. And like Jesus, we need to step forward and take hold of what God has called us to. I love verse 7. The Bible says, the elder said, look, the lion of the tribe of Judah is here. And John looked and he saw the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Both of them a picture of Jesus. And then verse 7 says, look what it says. And he stepped forward and he took the scroll from the right hand of God the Father. I believe today that fatherhood is a high and a holy calling, and that is men, we need to step forward. We need to step in to that. And that begins with, I think, a revelation. Here's the revelation I hope we all get this morning. And that is that being a father is one of the greatest, highest callings any person can ever carry. And the Lord just reminded me of something. He said, Keith, he said, the average man, most men overestimate what we can accomplish out in the world. But we underestimate what we can accomplish in our families. See, there is no doubt about it as men, men are created to work, right? We are created from the ground. We are created to labor. And there's something about a man that is driven to build a career, to build a job, to provide for his family. We love to work, at least I do. I love to put my hands to something. There's something that calls us as men to build a career, to build a path, to to build a life for our families. And that is built in us by God. But hear me today. Our calling to build a career pales in comparison to our calling to build a family. We overestimate what we can do out here. And we underestimate what we can do in the home by simply investing and adding value to our children, to our wives, loving, leading, and serving in such a way that it alters the trajectory and the future of the next generation that's arising around us. We all know the scripture, or many of you know the scripture that says, Jesus speaking, was it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? I've got a Father's Day translation for you today. What does it profit a father if he buys his kids everything money can buy, but he doesn't disciple them and train them in the ways of God? What does it profit a father if he buys his kids everything money can buy, but he doesn't disciple them, he doesn't train them, he doesn't teach them what it means to love God, serve God, and follow God? Man, that's a high calling, guys. 
That's a high calling and discipleship. Before we disciple the nations, we disciple our families. Our first disciples are our wives and our children. Our first place of ministry is our wives and our children. Our first place of influence and impact and really our greatest influence and our greatest impact is our families. Many of you know just about six weeks ago now, I had a heart attack, and, and by the grace of God, I've recovered. I'm doing well. Thank you all for your prayers. But a good friend of ours, an NRP pastor in Mississippi, his name is Pastor Frank. We call him Franco. Just a couple years older than me, very much in health, very much took care of himself, especially the last several years of his life. Just last week, he had a heart attack and died. It was on a Tuesday. We were headed to the hospital to go see Titus and Miss Mary, Rod and Mary, reached out to let us know what had happened so that we could be praying for their family. Let me give you some sobriety, men. Brother Rod was on his way, him and Mary, to go meet with Franco's wife. Her name's Tanya, and y'all can pray for their family. When he got done meeting there, Brother Rod was going to go to the church and meet with the elders of the church because on the day that he died, Brother Rod and the elders of the church were going to talk about what are we going to do next and who's going to take his place. That sounds kind of morbid. It sounds kind of cruel. But how many of you understand that's the reality of life? And it reminded me of a quote I'd read years ago by John Maxwell. He made this statement. He said, when you die, specifically men, when you die, the day you die, everybody on your job, your boss, your employer is going to talk about your replacement. Day one. Your church, if you're the pastor, is going to talk about your replacement. Day one. Your buddies you play ball with are going to be wondering who's going to fill your spot on the team next week day one the only people on the day of your death that's not going to be talking about your replacement is your family everybody else is going to be replacing you except your family and to think that we as men live our lives to please the people that are going to replace us instead of living our lives for the people with whom we are irreplaceable. That's a sobering thought. That's the reality of how holy and how high your calling is as a father, what it really means. That doesn't mean we don't work hard. That doesn't mean we don't engage in ministry. It doesn't mean we don't stretch out and do all these other things. It just means we understand that our high calling is first to our family and then to the nations of the world. So I want you to look with me at that next point. Jesus was the lion and the lamb. And fatherhood requires both sides of the equation. If we're going to be the men God has called us to be, if we're going to father our children and lead our families in the way God has for us, it's going to require the lion and the lamb. 
Look with me in Revelations 5, again, verse 5. It says, But one of the 24 elders said to me, Stop weeping. Look, for the line of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory, and he is worthy to open the scroll and its seals. Look at that next point. Let's talk about what it means to be a lion. As a lion, men, we fight for our families. The lion has won the victory. As a lion, we fight for our families. We reposition them, our families, into places of victory. Listen to this statement. Your personal victories become generational victories empowering your family. Let me tell you one of the greatest things you can do as a husband and a father. And that is fight for your own personal victory and freedom in Christ. See, one of the ways I fight for my family is I fight for my freedom. Because every time, hear me, this is huge. Every time I get a breakthrough in my life, my family breaks through to a new level. Every time I get a breakthrough in my life, it raises the bar of victory in my family. And all of a sudden, I'm the lid on my family. And every time I break through my whole family rises my whole family rises my whole family rises let's think about it in a very natural way if you've ever battled financially if you've ever lived in financial lack and maybe then you lose move to a place of financial stability and then maybe you move to a place of financial prosperity you know what happened every time you broke through your family broke through with you every time you got a new level of victory your family raised to a new level of authority. Your family began to walk in things they had never walked in. They began to experience things they had never experienced. They began to access things they had never accessed. Why? Because you as the husband, as the father, broke through. When we break through spiritually, hear me, man. When you break through spiritually in your own life, when you break free from pornography, when you break free from pride, when you break free from arrogance and high-mindedness, when you break out of unbelief and fear, you know what happens? Every breakthrough raises, raises, raises the bar of victory for your family. And every time you go to a new level, they go to a new level with you. See, Kelly and I recognize something. We recognize that when we were in our 30s, that our kids at 15 were walking in at 15 what it took us 30 years to get to. See, there's a great scripture, Deuteronomy 29, 29. One of my favorite scriptures. I love what it says. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our who? Forever. The secret things belong to the Lord, but those things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever. Every revelation brings an impartation to the next generation. Every revelation of who God is in your life, every revelation of victory, every revelation of breakthrough, every time you move to a new place in His glory and a new place of faith, revelation brings impartation for your family. And every time you grow, men, your family grows. And every time you go deeper in God, your family goes deeper in God. And every time you walk in new victories, your family walks in new victories. Why? Because you're the lion. And the lion fights for his family. And the lion's victories translate into family victories 
because we get repositioned by what those in authority over us do. Jesus, we said, right, is the example. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14. Speaking of God, look what it says. It says, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Because Jesus purchased our freedom and forgave our sins, guess what happened? He won the victory over sin, self, and Satan so that we could be what? Translated, the Bible says, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. The moment you came to Christ, think about this, his victory became your victory. His authority became your authority. His power became your power. Why? Because he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And he fights and he wins. And his victory translates into the lives of those who follow him. As a father, as a husband, your victories translate. What does that mean? It just means we should remember every day that we're fighting not just for ourselves. We're fighting for our families. We're fighting for our Families, I've I've got back in the gym this past week and and uh, so been working out a little bit. There's a guy in the gym and uh, he uh, his his language could use a little help. <laughs> was there the other day and another guy that works out with him was in there and and we were talking to him and and he said yeah he's not here today and Stephen said something about it, the guy's language and. He said, yeah, he said, uh, man, he's got, a, he's got a young girl, a daughter, and she's beautiful and wonderful and got such a sweet spirit. And then he said this. He said, I hope his words don't affect her life. Guess what? They do. Here's a beautiful girl. Beautiful girl growing up in a home where profanity and vulgar language becomes the standard of how daddy talks. But guess what happens if daddy gets set free? She gets set free. Guess what happens when daddy gets set free? She gets set free. Guess what happens when daddy gets set free from alcohol? Guess what happens when daddy dabbles with alcohol? See, what dads dabble with, with maturity, kids are bound with because of immaturity. Let me say that again. What dads dabble with in maturity, I can just drink one. Kids are bound with because of immaturity. Man, this is huge. You're a lion. You're a lion. And your life, your personal victories are translated into your children's lives. Amen? Let's look at that next point. What does it mean to be a lamb? As lambs, as a lamb, we sacrifice for our families. 
And our sacrifice opens doors of opportunity, enabling our families to access things they could never obtain on their own. Right, Revelations 5, John looked and he said, Behold, I saw a lamb that had been slain. It had been slaughtered. King James says, slain from the foundations of the world. It was a sacrificial lamb. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, listen to this. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Think about this. Jesus' sacrifice opened a door of opportunity for us to enter into the holy place. What Jesus did through his sacrifice, we could never obtain through our efforts. How many know you can never earn your way into the presence of God? You can never earn your way to access the holiest of holies, but only through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was there now a new and a living way. And just as Jesus' sacrifice opened doors of opportunities for all of us who follow him, your sacrifice, men, your sacrifice, women, our sacrifice, parents, opens a door of opportunity for our children to access things they could never access on their own. Just think about Financially, just think about this for just a second. For all you men that get up every day, let me just applaud you for getting up every day and going to work. Come on, somebody. Right? Just getting up and going to work and getting up and going to work and getting up and going to work and getting up and going to work. And it's boring and it's mundane. And some days it's frustrating and some days it's difficult and some days it's challenging. And some days the last place you want to get up and go to is work. And not just for you men, all you women. Most of you understand the same thing. Everybody's working somewhere. Come on, somebody. Even if you're staying at home. I'm glad I got to go to work when Kelly stayed home with our kids. Come on, Jesus. That was the kind of work I didn't want to do. It is that sacrifice of doing what you, quote, may not want to do and what you may not, quote, always enjoy doing that opens doors of provision, protection for your children. They have a house to live in. They have food to eat. They have cars to drive. They have an opportunity to get an education. They have an opportunity to one day maybe go to college. They have unlimited opportunities. Why? Because of your sacrifice. See, that's a good mind shift for us guys. That's a good mind shift for all you ladies. When you're having to go to work, you're having to do something you don't want to do, just think about it like this. Today I'm going to go open a door of opportunity for my family. Today I'm going to open a door for my children to access something they couldn't access apart from me. Kelly and I have been pastoring for 30 years, and in that 30-year time, we've wore a lot of hats, and we've wore both hats and triple hats sometimes, and there have been seasons where we were youth pastoring. And one of the saddest things... For me, anyway, watching young people is, is that sometimes you look at a young person and you realize, you realize they're not going to be able to access certain things until they move out of their house. And it's sad. It's sad because it's not that they're not gifted. It's not that they're not smart. It's not that they're not intelligent. It's just that they're living under an oppression 
instead of an open door. And this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, Keith, he said, sacrifice creates an open door. But selfishness in the heart of a man builds prison walls. Sacrifice creates an open door that allows our children and our wives to access things they couldn't access on their own. But when there is selfishness in the heart of a man, we build prison walls that bind them and limit them and keep them in a place of oppression until they finally break free from the prison called our home. And the truth is, we've seen a lot of kids have to grow up in prison camps. And we've seen those kids praise God by the grace of God to come out of prison and begin to access what God had for them and begin to succeed and prosper spiritually, physically, relationally, and financially because there was already a covering made through Jesus, come on, for them to go places they could never go on their own. Now, let me just encourage you in this. If you're a young person here today and you feel like you're being, living behind prison walls, let me tell you something. Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you. God's command for children is the same regardless of the style of home you're growing up in. And the reason that is, young people, listen to me, is because if you can learn to honor when there's dishonor, Jeremiah Castile played football for Alabama. He played for Bear Bryant. He went on his sons, played uh, pro ball. And Jeremiah Castile stood on this stage or another stage that was in this building. And he stood up here and he spoke to a group of young people years ago. And this is what he said. He said, I grew up, my dad was an alcoholic. My dad was a very dishonorable man. He said, I grew up being embarrassed, hoping and praying my dad would not come to my football games because he always made a scene and he was always drunk and he was always starting fights and he was always doing things that made me embarrassed to be his son. He said, but I stand on this stage today as a success in sports, as a success in Christ, as a success financially. He said, because early on, I learned one scripture, honor your father and mother. And he said, I can trace all my success to that one verse. He said, this is what I learned. I can honor a man that does dishonorable things because I honor the God that made him. I can honor a man that does dishonorable things because I can honor the God that made him. I didn't agree with him. I didn't want to be like him. But I could honor him. And he said, God used that honor in my heart as a young person to position me to succeed in life. And I am where I am today. He said this out of his own mouth. I could trace it all back to that one verse. Honor your father and your mother. But as men and as women, <clears throat> as parents, we recognize our sacrifice creates open doors for them to access things they could never access. Amen? And if you're a young person and you got that kind of parent, you ought to go home today and say thank you. And you ought to get up tomorrow and say thank you. And you ought to go to bed tomorrow night and say thank you and repeat. Because you're blessed. Amen. Look at that next point. As a lamb, another expression of the lamb. 
In Revelations 5, 6, John said, I saw the lamb that looked at as, been, as it had been slaughtered, but it is now standing before, between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. So the slaughtered lamb becomes a standing lamb. Think about this. As a lamb, we stand before God, men, as intercessors. Our earthly intercession releases heavenly intercession. As a lamb, we stand in the gap establishing on earth what God has already established in heaven. Hebrews chapter 7 says, Therefore he, speaking of Jesus, is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. We understand that Jesus was the ultimate intercessory lamb. He stood in the gap. He offered himself as a sacrifice. He poured out his blood for us. And now the Bible says he forever lives to intercede for me and you. There is heavenly intercession that is happening today in the very throne room of God through Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. But Ezekiel chapter 22 tells us something. Ezekiel 22 verse 30, the Bible says this, God speaking. So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. I want you to recognize something. Jesus is ever living to intercede for me and you in the very presence of God. But God the Father is also looking not just for an heavenly intercessor, but he's looking for an earthly intercessor. God said, I'm looking for a man. I'm looking for a woman. I'm looking for a father. I'm looking for a husband. I'm looking for somebody that will just stand in the gap on behalf of their family. And we talk a lot, let me just say this, we talk a lot about the prayers of our mamas and the prayers of our grandmas, how mama prayed and my grandma prayed and they prayed me in and they prayed me through. And for all you praying mamas, keep praying. Come on, somebody. But let me encourage us as men in something. The Lord said this. He said, Keith, he said, one of the most powerful prevailing prayers that can be prayed is the prayer of a father. And let me tell you why. He said, the prayer of a father is a two-edged sword that strikes at the heart of the enemy and brings victory into the lives of his children. He said, here's the two edges of that sword. He said, first of all, because he's born-again Christian, he has spiritual authority in Christ. He has authority in Christ because we've been seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He said, that born-again man has spiritual authority through my son, Jesus Christ. He said, but secondly, he said, that husband and that father has a natural authority on the earth. Because the Bible says, as Christ is the head of the church, so the man is the head of the home and the head of the family. He said, the father has a two-edged sword of authority. He has spiritual authority and he has natural authority to pierce the darkness and to war a good warfare on behalf of his wife and his children. And let me challenge us as men because we kind of, as men, we've kind of said, well, you know, prayer is kind of the woman thing. Man, my wife, she's a prayer warrior. My wife, she's an intercessor. You know, the women of the church, boy, they really pray. I think we don't need to break that. I think we need to add to that. I, need, I think we need to say, man, our wives are prayer warriors. Our wives are intercessors. The women of this church are intercessors. And so are the men. And so are the men. 
Men that will pray. Men that will intercede. Men that will stand in the gap. Men that will get in that place between the wrath of sin and the mercy of God and be a bridge builder to redeem and restore their families and their children. That's the power we have as men. That's the opportunity God has given us as men to be a lion who fights and to be a lamb who sacrifices and stands in the gap for our families. I want you to look at that last point. Stephen, you can come. Fatherhood is a high and a holy calling. And Jesus has qualified you and me, men, to be a lion and a lamb. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, and Jesus is the lamb that takes away the sins of the world. But we are called to be a lion and a lamb. Not the lion and not the lamb, but a lion and a lamb. And Jesus has qualified us to do that. So let's step forward and take hold of that high calling. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Said it is not that we think we are qualified to do anything of our own. Our qualification comes from whom? Our qualification comes from God. Look at that next part. Who has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. We're not qualified on our own. You're not qualified to be a minister of the gospel. You're not qualified to be a lion and a lamb because you're successful in the workplace, because you got a lot of money in the bank, because somebody knows your name. The thing that qualifies us to be a lion and a lamb is Jesus. He's qualified us to be lions and lambs. He's qualified us to fight, to sacrifice, and to stand on behalf of our families, our wives, and our children. We are qualified. Through Christ. And the devil works overtime to get men, hear me guys, to disqualify themselves. The devil works overtime to get men to disqualify themselves. Well, I'm not really a prayer warrior. Well, I, I, you know, I'm not really, you know, my, my kids, man, they, they don't even really want to have anything to do with me. Man, my kids are all grown right now. You know, they, they don't need a dad. And the devil just works overtime to disqualify. He, he uses guilt and shame from, from mistakes in our past. Well, you know what you did. You know what you said. I mean, I heard that was just yesterday, right? That was just yesterday. Do you remember what you just said? You're not qualified. You, you can't pray. You, you can't fight. You can't lead. You can't serve. You can't, you can't be that lion. You can't be that lamb. And what the devil wants to do is I want you to hear something really powerful. There is no sin that can disqualify you as a believer. Because the Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. There's no sin that can disqualify you. There's not enough demons and devils in hell to disqualify you from being a lion and a lamb because greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. The only thing that can disqualify you is you. And this is what happens. All you guys that love sports, this is what we do. We actually take ourselves out of the game and we sit ourselves on the bench. We take ourselves out of the game. God didn't take us out of the game and the devil didn't take us out of the game. We took ourselves out of the game. 
We disengaged. We disqualified ourselves. We allowed shame or guilt or fear or worry or a million different things to somehow convince us that I'm not a lion and I'm not a lamb. I'm not cut out to be a father. I'm not cut out to be a husband. It's just too hard. I'm not made for this. All those are lies. Just as women are made to be mothers, men are made to be fathers. It's in you. God made you that way. And here's the key. I just got to refuse to disqualify myself. I got to refuse to take myself out of the game. And I just got to stay engaged. And when I sin and come short of the glory of God, I confess my sin. And He forgives me of my sin. And I re-engage. When I fall down and feel like a failure, I just get back up and I re-engage. When I make a mistake, not intentionally, I was trying to do good and I ended up doing evil. I'm just going to repent. I'm going to move on. I'm going to dust myself off. I'm going to stay in the game. See, there's no bench in God's kingdom. Everybody's intended to be in the game. But we disqualify ourselves. So here's the challenge, guys. we got to step up. We got to step in and we got to lay hold of that thing. So, this is what I want us to do this morning. I want to ask every man in this room, whether you're a father or not, every man in this room, I want to ask you just to come forward. I want you to come stand in the altar right now. Every man, I just want you to come. Let's just fill this altar up, every man. And what I want to do today, how I want to close our service, I've got a prayer. They're going to put it up on the screen. I want to lead us in a prayer of declaration this morning. I want to lead us in a prayer that says, God, I'm going to step up and I'm going to lay hold of who you've called me to be. This is a high calling. This is a holy calling. I am a lion and I am a lamb. And I'm going to be that man. I'm going to be that man that you've called me to be. Let me just read through it real quick and we're going to do it together. Father God, thank you for calling me into manhood. Every one of you here today are called into manhood. You're called to be a man. Thank you for calling me into manhood and into fatherhood. And if you're not a father here today, you can skip over that or you might want to go ahead and declare it because you probably will be one day. Come on, somebody. I renounce the lies and schemes of the enemy against my life and my family. It's all those lies that the devil uses to disqualify you. It's all those lies that the devil uses to try to get you to take yourself out of the game. I declare that I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have, and I can do what you say I can do. I am a lion, and I am a lamb. And I will fight, I will sacrifice, and I will stand for my family. I am courageous, I am strong, I am brave, and I am your man. All you guys in this altar here today, y'all are God's men. Y'all are God's men. Every one of you, you're God's men. You're not leftovers. You're not has-beens. You're not no good. You're God's men. And you've been qualified by the Lord. So let's just read this prayer together. I'm just going to lead us. Y'all say it with me. Let's say it out loud. Let's say it like men. Come on, guys. Let's say it like men. You ready? Let's do this together. Father God, thank you for calling me into manhood and fatherhood. I renounce the lies and schemes of the enemy against my life and my family. I declare I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have, and I can do what you say I can do. 
I am a lion and a lamb. I will fight, sacrifice, and stand for my family. I am courageous, strong, and brave. I am your man. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord. I want you to stand here for just one more second. I'm going to ask all the ladies, everybody left in the seats out there, just stretch your hands forward toward these men. I just want to declare of just a final blessing. So, Father, I thank you for these mighty men of God. I thank you that every man standing here today, every man in this sanctuary, every man watching online this morning, Lord, I declare that they are a lion and a lamb. God, I declare boldness and courage. God, I declare confidence and strength. God, I declare that they are your sons and that they are your men. They are men of God and men of valor. And we bless them and we cover them and we speak life to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, one more hand clap of praise. Amen.